Today I'd like to um, talk about something that's been on my mind for a long time, a concern I have for the church. I have, uh, I guess, a number of concerns. I've been a part of the church ever since I was a child. My parents raised me in an evangelical church, and I certainly appreciate churches in general, but I think most of us that are involved in an evangelical church would say, yes, we have some concerns about this or about that. And so, because I'm part of a church, I believe I have permission then to be able to say something that I believe should be changed. Now, this is my background. I spent the first 10 years of my life after, after schooling in the business world. And in the business world, when things weren't going right, you did something about it. And then I became more and more involved. I became involved in the ministry and more involved in the church. That was going on. I became an elder and, and sat with other men in eldership. And I began to realize that churches run quite a bit different than what business is. Church has a tendency to pretend that problems don't exist. They have a tendency to sweep things under the carpet. Now, I believe that carpet, you could probably call it, we don't do things that way, or let's not, let make, this, let's not make this known. People might leave the church would be the concern. But I've also been involved with many people outside of the leadership. And I find that there are many, I don't know how many, I don't know what percentage, see there needs to be change, see that there's things that are lacking. But because they know they'll be labeled as a, as a troublemaker or a disturber, they don't say anything. They don't go to leadership with the right spirit, which is important, but they don't go at all because they're afraid of the label that might be stuck on them. And so here I am tonight recording this so that somewhere down the road, somewhere out there, some leadership will say, yes, we need to make a change. We need to make a shift in the way we've been doing things. And if we don't make that shift, it's going to keep getting worse and worse instead of better. So let's work at it. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm titling this The Foundation of the Christian Church. And it has to do with the attitude that every individual is part of the church. And my, I maintain that every individual needs a foundation laid in them in order to see the full church progress and become a mature body of believers. It says that in Ephesians 4, verse 3, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so in a sense, I'm talking about unity. I'm talking about a, a peaceful place, a place where people would feel comfortable, a place where people feel wanted, because there has to be something in the church itself, the church body, the individual one that people feel comfortable and people feel as though they belong there. 
And so Paul is saying to this epistle, which is about the church, he is saying to the church in Ephesus, but that Paul, I understand Paul's letters, it was always understood they would pass them around to other churches after they had read, maybe copied them or whatever. And so it was important as far as Paul is concerned that the key thing would be unity. A unified people, people that felt the same way, thought the same way in a way and had the same doctrine from church to church, city to city, they would hold on to the same doctrines that is expressed through uh, many of the Gospels, but primarily uh, in Timothy and Titus, Paul mentions twice in each book. They're to watch over the doctrine, to keep it right. That's his indication, to watch over it, to make sure they walk it out. And so there needed to be in the early church a movement of, of people called apostles and prophets and evangelists at least, perhaps teachers too. I'm not sure, it doesn't really matter. If you want to include four or five. But there were people that moved from city to city, from church to church, because each city basically had one basic church, many bodies, many house meetings, but they basically had one church. To go from one to one to the other, they were to preach the gospel and kept the churches in all the cities unified under a same teaching, under the same doctrine. The doctrine at that time was pure. It hadn't been messed just yet, but with head office people or seminary people that thought they should adjust it to make their seminary look unique among the others, it was, it was taught the way it should be taught. Now, they still ended up with false prophets and false teachers. We know that. But there was a desire in Paul's heart to have a church of unity, a church that worked together walk together with the same unity of doctrine, unity of spirit. And so that's what we want to look after. In Psalm 133, the psalmist here saying, Behold how good and how blessed it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Again, that word is there. That unity has to be something we work at. He says it's good and pleasant, and we can dwell in it, but it has to be worked at. It's like the precious oil upon the head, he goes on, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Wow. That's a lot of oil to anoint somebody with that actually flow off his head onto his garments, the garments soak some in, but after a while there's so much, it drips off the bottom. And then the psalmist goes on and said, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now listen, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life saying, life forevermore. That's exciting, because in this atmosphere of unity and of a peaceful place where people felt joined together because there was a harmony of five different ministries taking place. God said, because of that unity, I will command. 
He didn't say, I would, I would hope it happens or, or perhaps it might happen. He is saying, I will command a blessing. Now, the blessing of the Lord, when I go to church on a Sunday morning, there should be such a blessing. I feel as if I've been drenched in it. I feel as if there's been something that refreshed my soul and brought something into my innermost being, the spirit, the soul, something that refreshes me so much. I have newness of strength and vigor to go back to work Sunday morning or to be with my family Sunday afternoon. I have a re something renewed. But you see, I believe that blessing is only available because the Lord commands it, and he commands it because he sees the unity that we dwell together in. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If you want to argue with me, fine. Argue with God, he wrote it. Now, Jesus gave gifts to the church, and this is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus gave, this is not gifts of the Holy Spirit. We really can't divide them in a way, but yet we need to for understanding. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, of course, are in 1 Corinthians 4, 12 and 14. But you see, the gifts that Jesus gave to the church are gifts of leadership. Now look at them. I have it here in Ephesians 4, um, starting at verse 11. He said, and he's talking about Jesus descending before he ascended. He descended into the lower parts, into what most people believe is hell. And he took captive those that were righteous, who were being held until the resurrection. And he brought them up. As a matter of fact, in one of the Gospels, it said, many of the saints of old were seen walking on the streets of Jerusalem because they had literally risen from the dead. Jesus brought them up. And so this is what it says in verse 11. It was the same one. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now listen, I'm going to stop there. We have so much teaching that says the apostles and their prophets, those offices are all finished. They stopped away back in the early church and they are no more. Well, just a minute. I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute. We need those to build a foundation. Let me get to that. But first of all, I want to say some things. The people that are saying apostles and prophets are no more are saying that Paul didn't know what he was writing here. Because a lot of the apostles that came after the second generation of prophets, the second generation of apostles, there were people that never walked with Jesus, never experienced his resurrection, never saw him alive. But there were people that came afterwards that were still called apostles and prophets. And so we need to recognize that Paul here is saying we need to have apostles and prophets. We need to have evangelists and pastors and teachers. And this is why he's saying it. In verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. 
that's you and me. So the body of Christ can grow, can be built up. And verse 13, until we all reach unity in the flesh. There's three other things in the knowledge of the Son of God that we can become mature and also attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All those things are important. I'm focusing on the unity one tonight. Maybe some of the day we'll do the other three. But it's important that you realize those four things is what will make a strong body, which will make a church strong. There's four goals listed there. I'm going to repeat them. Unity in spirit, knowledge of the Son of God, maturity, and attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Tells us in the Bible all the fullness of, of, of what we need, the wisdom and knowledge, dwells in him. It's in Colossians. All right, so let's go on with Ephesians 4. Listen to what it says. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scamming. Let me stop there. You understand, to have men that travel carry the same message between the churches, and you said, well, there was false prophets, false teachers. But you see, Paul and other people like Peter, they often identified them. They let the churches know they're wrong prophets. They're teaching the wrong thing. We wouldn't dare to do that today because that would be judgmental. And yet in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells very clearly, we're not to be judging the world. We're supposed to be judging in the church. That's why Jesus said, don't judge because he was talking to the world out there. There was no church when he said that. But in the church, we're supposed to judge. Look at the end of 1 Corinthians 5, and you'll see it there. And so we're to grow up, not be infants anymore. We're not to be tossed back and forth. And we're not to be blown here and win by every new teaching. The fads that come along, the new, the new revelations that's going to revolutionize counseling or revolutionize the way we do church. All those are fads many times. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't give us fresh revelation, but it's revelation that he's bringing from the scripture that we've forgotten about. And so instead, we need to speak the truth in love. We'll do all things when we grow up into him who is the head, that is the Christ. From him, the whole body, listen, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. I've heard some people say those ligaments are love. That's what holds us together. But we grow together. We're built up in the love as every part does its work. And so we have a picture here of Paul saying, this is how the church should function in order for those things that he's spoken about, the unity, knowing Christ, knowing everything about the knowledge of God, knowing about maturity and walking in it, and having the full measure of Christ. Paul said, this is the way we attain it, by having a flow of ministers 
not pastors. We're having a flow of ministers, people who are apostles, people who are prophets, people who are evangelists, and are probably teachers coming through our church in a periodical time. The pastor is not called to do all the preaching on a Sunday morning. Somewhere we have to realize that churches are dying all around us. Evangelicalism is shrinking. If it wasn't for some of the last moves of the Spirit, it would be worse off because most of any gain is coming because of the move of the last few years. And so we need to recognize we're doing something wrong. And pastors, where did you get the idea that everything depended on you every Sunday to preach unless there's a missionary coming through or somebody famous available, some sports figure or whatever? You, you think you have to do it all. You say, no, we have an assistant. He does it. Oh, what is he? Is he the apostle? Is he the prophet? Is he the evangelist? Well, I don't know, the pastor might say. It all depends which label we stuck on him. Men don't appoint these. They're given by Jesus to the church. They're not our choice. They're Jesus' choice. And we've shut them down. Let me ask you this, denominational people. When was the last time you heard your pastor say, we're praying that the Lord will show us who the, the apostle is in our area that we could bring him in. Or have you heard him say, we're praying and asking God to send us a prophet who could discern if we're walking right or if we need to be corrected. Have you heard him say that? I haven't. Prophets are almost non-existent because they've all starved to death. Apostles are non-existent because they've been totally ignored and also hungry if they're still an apostle. And anybody who calls himself an apostle, you better make sure he is because he may not be. Maybe that's what his mother called him. Because we have many kinds of apostles, false apostles, preaching different things. We need to know from God, who is it, Lord, that you want to stand in our pulpit on a Sunday morning? Some of you people, you might be getting up, up where you say, I'm going to talk to our pastor. And that's not what I'm saying this for. That you would go to prayer and say, Lord, open their understanding, open their eyes. Because if you go to the pastor, many pastors just take a solid, firm foundation against what you're saying anyway. And so we need to be a people that start praying for our churches, start crying out to God. Say, Lord, allow in some way the hearts of our leader, the hearts of the elders to start seeking out those and not just asking somebody to come because they have a great name or a funny story or a nice smile or is popular. We want to ask you, Lord, for the people that will change this church into what you want. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. For through him, that's Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That says to me, I can go to the Father and ask him, by the Holy Spirit, who do you want in our pulpit? Who do you want teaching? Who do you want to be evangelist? Who do you want to be prophetic, the prophet? Who do you want, Father? 
pray that the Lord will do that in your church. Let's go on, verse 19. Consequently, we are no longer foreigners and aliens. Remember in 4, he says, we'll no longer be tossed here and there. Now he's saying, we won't be foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and member of God's household. Glory to God. Listen to 20. But built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, if we don't have apostles and we don't have prophets, who builds the foundation? Who builds that thing around the chief cornerstone? Who is Jesus? Who does it? I've heard my man say this way. Well, the foundations were laid 2,000 years ago, and since then the foundation has been laid. Baloney, excuse me, baloney. Listen, my grandma on my dad's side, her brother was a medical doctor. Not only a medical doctor, but he was an MP, member of parliament, and also minister of health here in Ontario. Now, if my great uncle had a foundation of medical knowledge in him and had a foundation of political knowledge in him, then I should automatically have it. I should be able to go and open a practice. I should be able to have a, a, a vote in Parliament because my foundation came down from my grandfather. That's how foolish that teaching is. A foundation has to be laid in every individual new convert, in every individual Christian. That's what the word discipleship means, to lay foundation, to teach them the knowledge of God and the way of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, all those things that would keep us walking in harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the body of Christ and in unity. In verse 21, in him the whole building, that's not a physical, but that's the body of Christ. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. If you're born again, baptized in water, been baptized in the Spirit, you can have the Holy Spirit living in you. Joined together, the Holy Spirit dwells among us. And that's where church happens, as we call it. That's where people get saved and healed, delivered, because the Spirit of God is there. I'm tired of meetings where nobody gets healed, nobody gets delivered, nobody gets saved. I've seen many of them. I'm probably just as responsible as anybody else for those meetings. I take blame alongside of anybody else. But I want to see it change. I want to see the apostles starting to move. I want to see the prophets starting to move. The evangelists doing more than just exciting the people, but breaking down the word of God so people know how to put it into practice. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, he's talking here about the first three gifts that Jesus gave. He puts them in order. He says, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles. 
If I said this to a, a kid in grade two, what does that mean to you? First of all, the kid would say, that means they come first. I would then probably say to the child, does that mean they're more important than anybody else? Or does that mean they have a responsibility? If the child is really smart, they'll say he has a responsibility. Second are the prophets and third are the teachers. Now listen to me, dear people. Listen to me. I'm trying hard to communicate the heart of God here. I want to communicate to you that we are missing the first and the second of the gifts that Jesus said will build a foundation. As a result, the body of Christ is shrinking here in Canada and the United States. It's shrinking. We barely hold on to a small percentage of who we are. Why? Because we have ignored the very thing the Holy Spirit said to Paul that has to be done in order to build the church. We ignore it and do it our way. It's not working. In the business world, you'd say it's not working. Heads have to roll. Jobs have to be changed. We have to sit on. We have to figure out what's wrong here. In the church, they say, oh, let's pretend there's nothing wrong. Just keep on doing. Somebody said the definition of, of foolishness and stupidity is you keep doing the same thing over and over again but expecting different results. They don't believe that in the business world. They don't believe that in the educational world. Even hospitals don't run that way. If there's something wrong and they go at it, they have a meeting and they correct it, they bump it through, they challenge people. I know I sat as a, a lower level of management in a company that was international for nine years. I know how they come against when they see something slacking, something slowing down, a certain product that's suffering in the market share, they will do something about it. I've been in those meetings. I've heard them speak to each other, they're totally honest. And if you took offense at the way it was spoken to you, well, go ahead, walk out, join another company somewhere. We need to get business done here. You just made a decision not to be hurt, but rather to listen and act on what you're being told. It didn't matter what spirit it was in. I necessarily don't agree it doesn't matter what spirit, but that's the way it was. goes on in, in that verse of 20, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, and those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. I'm amazed at how much of the whole move of the Spirit has been rejected simply because you couldn't handle tongues. Well, I want to tell you something about tongues. The very first thing that was attacked on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came was tongues because Satan did not want tongues to be accepted. And he made fun of it. He put shame on it by saying you're drunk. And that's still happening 2,000 years later. It's still something that people look down on and, and speak against. Why don't you just read 1 Corinthians 14? You'll find out there that it is a language from God spoken through the believer to the, the, whether it be the demonic realm or back to heaven, whatever it might be, but it's a wisdom of God. 
coming through in a perfect prayer. Check it out sometime. It can change your life. We have a great commission in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in their Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Two things wrong, two things wrong here. First of all, somebody does get saved. We wait for a few months or a couple of years to make sure they make it before we baptize them. That's the very worst. I have teaching in there somewhere in archives about water baptism. Water baptism is what separates you from your old way of life, from your own sinful way. It just separated Egypt, pardon me, Israel from Egypt. It wants to separate you from your old way of life. 1 Corinthians 10 makes that clear. We need to be baptized in the early church and even up to just less than 100 years ago. In many churches, somebody gets saved, they took them out and baptized them. I'm told that in the early church, if it was winter, they would literally cut a hole in the ice of a lake so they could baptize. They were that serious about it. Then we go on, 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, surely I'm with you always, the end of age. Teaching these new converts, discipling them. Back some time ago, I was asked to do a weekend retreat at the church. The pastor said, we have a group of people been praying for revival for well over two years, and we feel it's time that you come in and taught us on revival because we want to see revival happening here. I went in, I taught on it. Nothing happened. Nobody moved, nobody stirred, because that small group did not have the respect of everybody else. I realized that afterwards. And so after it was all over on Sunday afternoon, I said to the pastor, I said, Pastor, do you have a new converts class here? Do you have material ready for new Christians? He said, no. I said, well, why would God give you new converts if you don't even know what to do with them? He said, no, I haven't. If I was part of an adoption agent, I wouldn't give a baby to someone, a couple, who had made no preparation to look after that baby. I wouldn't. Why would God give us new Christians if we have no prayer? We're just saying, oh, they're saved. Put them on the road. Give them an offering envelope, and, and let's hope they come back next Sunday. Wrong. It's not working. Why don't we see that? I'm going to finish this next time. Father, if we don't have you in the church, there's no use of having church at all. If we don't honor what you have said in your word that we're supposed to do, there's no use of having the Bible in the church at all. No use of having it in our lives because we're not obeying it anyway. So, Father, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, where I have fallen down. Forgive the church that I'm part of, Lord God. Any influence that I neglected to give, forgive me, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Part two will come up right away. Amen. Please visit our website 
at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.